Neither Marcus nor Tabby are a professional broadcaster. This will soon become evident. Marcus Bourbon, c'est possible. Et. Uh, bonjour, je m'appelle Tabby. Ça va? Ça va bien et toi? Parle-vous anglais? Non. <laughs> oh. Yep, we're back. Hello. Welcome to the latest. Yeah, another episode of We the... Are the. We Are the. Detective, Detective in Inspectors. Inspectors. Or Inspector Detective. <laughs> um, so yeah, Bergerac. Um, uh, 80s, when did it run? What was its series? I believe it was roughly 81-ish. I know it started in 81 because this is 81. Okay. That we've watched today. Set on the fictional island of Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> It's apparently like apparently it's in Britain, but it's right next to France. Like nice one, boffins. The fictional island of Jersey. Have you ever been there? Um, no, but I know it's I've real. Have you ever been there? I just, but I know it's real. <laughs> Guernsey's real. Because I know someone from Guernsey, but I've a never been to Jersey and c. <laughs> I ain't never been. I'm cutting that. Off. No, no. I've really ain't never been to Jersey. I've never met anyone from Jersey. Ergo, uh, no, no, Jersey. Is a V. Jersey is real. Like a jumper comes from. Okay, there. whatever. We'll agree to differ. So, do you, do you, do you know the difference between a a, a Jersey jumper and a um, Guernsey jumper? Yeah, the Jersey, the Guernsey jumper exists. <laughs> <laughs> the Jersey jumper is a fictional creation. Yeah. By uh, probably Peter Miller, who wrote this episode. <laughs> Just off the top of my head. Well, that's, that's some deep research you've done there. That's brilliant. <laughs> it says it on the screen at the start of the episode. Oh, I always think I would have kept that secret. <laughs> Please continue. So, you know, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> Bergerac. Yes. So, the best thing. I'm going to make a statement now. And I, I, I say true or I think, I think I know exactly what you're going to say. I think you're going to say the best thing about Bergerac is the theme tune. No, well, I am oh. going to say, no, no, I absolutely am <laughs> going to say that, but I'm going to go further than that. Oh, okay. And I'm going to say, I think the Bergerac theme tune is the best ever detective television theme tune. I uh, cannot honestly think uh, of a better one. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you there. And do you know what I'm going to say? Probably Cracker and or Morse. Morse. Morse is just opera. <laughs> 
Like, I like opera, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. just a piece of opera. Nobody wrote that, especially for, for the TV yes, programme. Yes, they did. Did they? Yeah. Um, Barrington... <laughs> Barrington <laughs> Poshney. Barrett Barry, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, like, Barrington itself is a very posh name, you don't need to have the surname with a posh name, if you're, if that's... But why not? Barrington posh name Smythe. Is he as posh as Charlie Ungerford? Bar- Barrington, take it for granted I'm posh. <laughs> no need to have an extra special posh no. name. But, yeah, for my money, better theme tune. Okay, well, listeners, listener, <laughs> me, mum, the only person. <laughs> Hi, mum. <laughs> My mum won't listen to this. No, it's too much swearing in it. <laughs> Most of it done by me. I know it's on the listen of the last uh, one. I'm not entirely sure. I think I. No, I'm effing and jeffing all over the place. Uh. The detective inspectors. Bergerac. Centres around detective. No, he's not a detective. He's Sergeant Jim Bergerac. So um, you know he's had a he's had a good life. He's he's um, you know been a success and no no major personal problems. No major that, personal problems that, that sort of like brought him to um, Jersey. Um, well, I think he came back to Jersey. Okay. I think he was in Jersey. And then no major personal problems happened, and then he came back to Jersey as a result of those non-issues. So he's a uh, an ex-alcoholic. Once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. <laughs> he has a son. He's Charlie Hunk. Okay. You need to. It's complicated. <laughs> um. So. Charlie is his ex-wife's father. Yeah, where's his ex-wife? Charlie Hungerford is a very posh, wealthy man who lives on Jersey and has got his fingers in every pie. Uh, like like the thieving criminal tax exiles that they all are. <laughs> Jersey has some, um, some very interesting tax laws and a lot of bad people put a lot of their money through Jersey. I would like to say, at this point, that Tabby's any opinion expressed <laughs> on the podcast by either one of us can't is the property can't. of one of those people and not the other one. I'd also like to say that you, there's no point slandering Jersey. Come and because fucking get you're me, slandering Jersey. the fictional <laughs> island of Jersey. That is the weakest shit. Oh. Like, come on, all the su- everyone in midsummer, come and get me. If you think you're hard enough. <laughs> no, no. Jersey is real. I will prove it to you. Okay. What? You, you just need to believe. Okay, look, let's... <laughs> let's crack on. I knew you're not going to sway me on this. Right. John Nettles. Um, yes, let's address it. It's the elephant in the room. It's the John Nettles situation. Yeah. John Nettles. When I used to... I, and also, cards on the table. When I was a kid, I was seven when this started. And you and like, were, so I didn't watch the early ones, but I used to absolutely love Bergerac. You were you were stung by nettles. I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah, I was stung by nettles. Good. <laughs> the good it makes sense. Excellent. Um, no, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I could never understand it. Like 
and these early episodes of Bergerac are as confusing as the older episodes mm-hmm. of Bergerac. And it's great, it's great. <laughs> really, music... you, you find them just as confusing as when you were a child. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally do. There's always loads of stuff going on. Like it's, I mean, these early Most... ones are not so much, but the later ones, oof. There's a lot going on, but most of it's really boring. <laughs> no, no, no. They get into multiple, triple plot lines in the later episodes. Like, the writing in the later ones is great. This is, like, not good, I don't think. This is not as good. I do love Bergerac. There's loads I love about it, which we'll, we will go through. Yeah. But I feel like we're rambling on, and we should probably get onto the episode. At yeah, hand. yeah, we really should, actually. Oh, no, I should just do a quick rundown of the main characters. <laughs> which we... It's, that's part of the programme. Okay. Hang on, I've gone on to the wrong bit. So, we've got Jim, Jim Berger. And, yeah, we were going to address the Nettles issue. The Nettles issue mm. is that John Nettles played Bergerac in 87 episodes for in over 10 years. I'm looking at IMDb now. I don't know this off the top of my head. But he <laughs> played Jim Berger, 87 episodes. That's a lot of episodes, and it was 10 years. And he was great. He was great, Bergerac. But John Nettles later on went on to become Inspector Tom Barnaby. Yeah. So I really, really love the fact that like it's really nice to see John Nettles actually doing some acting and actually, you know, giving a fuck as opposed to kind of um, his depiction of Barnaby where he really couldn't care less and it is just a smug wanker. It's um, awful. Um, it, it's, it's awful and he is awful in it. Here's the main reason that programme is uh, There are many reasons terrible. why it's awful. Um, I don't think so. I mean, look, we'll get, this is not a Midsummer Murders episode. We will get onto that, I'm sure, one day. Oh, God. Right. The, you know, but... We're, Nettles. We're going this long on, like, on fucking Bergerac, which we both kind of like. Um, <laughs> well, that's why I'm trying to get through this quickly and you keep interrupting. <laughs> Sorry, is, is this just the you talking podcast? This section. Why am I here? This section should mostly be me talking about the characters. Okay. And you Go on, then. doing whatever. I will stop any. So, John Nettles plays Jim Bergerac. Nettles, yeah, complicated character. I've got, I'm now not sure about my feelings about him. Like, if you'd asked me the day before yesterday, before I watched Bergerac, I would have said I hated John Nettles. But now, you reminded how good he was in these. He's good. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he, he is very, very good. Um... There you go, interrupting again. And then, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're interrupting then we've got Terence. <laughs> then we've got Terence Alexander, who plays Charlie Hungerford, who is brilliant. Like, I've written a note here somewhere. Charlie Hungerford, mower. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what that means. Um, he's great, though. He's like a rich... He's basically, as you say, Jim Bergerac's wife's father, ex-wife's father, and he's a millionaire and he owns loads of, he's got loads of money, he's got loads of houses and he's always involved somehow because Jersey's a small place, the fictional island Jersey is a small place, everyone knows each other. Yep. Okay, then we've got Sean Arnold who plays Detective Inspector Barney Crozier who is Bergerac's boss basically, what do you think of him? Um, he's he's pretty standard boss. It seems a little bit more kind of easygoing than sort of um, he he kind of lets Bergerac get away with shit yeah. effectively. Right? I think he he goes against the stereotype of the like shitty idiot boss that most of these TV detectives have got. 
he like seems like a decent bloke. I think. I think he's probably aware that sort of Bergerac is far less inept than any other sort of member of his police force mm. because you know they really don't have to you know, deal with a lot. You would think there wasn't that much crime on Jersey. There's so much crime, but most of it's incredibly boring, like tax crime, yeah. <laughs> like most financial, of it's, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. Fictional crime. Um, <laughs> anyway, Crazy is played by Sean Arnold. Should just say that. Give him a shout out. Uh, who doesn't? He, Terence Hungerford, Terence Alexander, who plays Charlie Hungerford, Sean Arnold, and the next person don't have a picture on IMDb. Which does that mean that they're? I mean, you would think you'd have a picture if you were in Bergerac for eighty-five episodes each, practically. Um, I don't know if it's the same um, now, but. Um, for years on IMDb, Rick Moranis didn't have a picture. Really? Yeah, and and he's fucking Rick Moranis. He doesn't like having his picture taken though. That is a fact. Do you know, know about Rick Moranis? <laughs> no, he's very very camera shy. No, no, you've made that. You've made he's that. Very up. camera shy. Why would you? Why would you be on camera? If no, he doesn't mind shy. being filmed. But he doesn't like that still image. That, that white image. That makes no fucking sense. No, that's a, that's it's, a thing, man. That's not true. <laughs> That's the thing. That, I don't believe you. That fact is as real as Jersey. <laughs> so you agree that Jersey is real? No, I made up that fact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the last, the last character I'm going to get to on this almost endless roundup <laughs> is Mila White, the actress Mila White, who plays Diamante Daryl in 40 episodes. And I, for one, remember as a child fancying her. Yes. She basically owns a restaurant, or the, she, no, she owns a hotel called the Royal Barge, which is mentioned extensively in the episode we watched yesterday, independently. And that's that. They're the, they're the kind of the ones in the whole thing. So it's basically, it is a thing where Bergerac, and this is going to sound really obvious, but it's not like, there's not much, there's not really a USP. He's a policeman on an island. That's, uh, but do you know what I mean? There's not like there isn't anything an funky going on between anyone. There's like it's just it is a program where a crime happens and then Bergerac solves it. Sometimes he's the assistant of his sexy French girlfriend. Sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Bergerac. <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> that is cut. That is kind of it, though. Like, it isn't like... He isn't a priest. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't got some sidekick that he yeah. bosses Well, he's around. an ex-alcoholic. He's an ex-alcoholic. But that just means he doesn't drink. That's right. That doesn't... To be honest, he's a policeman. Most of the time we see him, he's on duty. He shouldn't be drinking anyway. He's not... Like, Morse is a disgrace. Morse is a brilliant man. <laughs> Plus, also, I like kind of... Uh, maybe... <laughs> that was like... <laughs> The idea that the uh, reduced Shakespeare company had before they went on to success was like desperately trying to pitch Bergerac in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the plots of Bergerac in like ten minutes. That'd be good. I'd go, that would be good. You need York. <laughs> You'd go and see that. Yes, I would. I'm a big supporter of the arts, as you know. I love the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> you, go, you would go and see Bergerac in it. Yeah. 
get a whole fucking season done in an hour and 40 minutes. It's like the York Notes of Bergerac. I finally understand some of those tricky late 80s episodes that went right over my head of the child. It comes to something when you need to have Bergerac explain to you in the form of theatre. Felony homicide. Right, tell us about this episode. <sighs> so, this one is series one, episode nine. The only one we had on DVD. Uh, convenient, that. Convenient. And uh, this episode nine is called Relative Values. It's by the aforementioned Peter Miller. I think the first thing you see is a close-up shot of a big pot of mussels boiling in a pan. They look quite nice. Yeah. That do you not that you're gonna chip in? <laughs> no, don't, don't tell me about these mussels. Okay, so nice pan of mussels cooking on a stove. <laughs> I feel like I need to follow that up with a rhyme. But I'm not gonna Um Old nice pan of mussels boiling on the stove. You can have a good time in Brighton and Hove. <laughs> that is a bad slogan for the Brighton and Hove Tourist Board. Sorry, are we... Where I have contacts. Are we, are we sponsored by Brighton and Hove Tourist yeah. Board? This episode's brought to you by Brighton and Hove Mussels. Go to Brighton. They definitely won't give you food poisoning. It's nice. So, there's the mussels. Yeah. The mussels. There's the muscles. The muscles are fed to an old man who looks like in a house. <laughs> Sorry, they're not fed to him. He eats them. <laughs> they they are served up to an old man in a house by his housekeeper. Yep. Who looks like uh, from Alan Partridge, uh, Marsha. Uh, they, no, not Marsha. The woman who played Marsha in Space, who's in Alan Partridge. Yeah, the secretary of Partridge Productions. That yeah, yeah, with, with the chocolate. Uh, yeah. See, I thought she looked like the um, uh, the woman. In, uh, There's something about Mary. Oh. <laughs> That's harsh, man. <laughs> the one with the tanning thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the old lady. <laughs> the, the, old, the old landlady. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's bad. No, I think that's fair. <laughs> but carry on. Could no. To be fair, if you add years. Like, maybe she, that's what her future is. She was. She'd be that old now. Like, this is 1981. If you add 36 years onto that character, then she would probably be the age of that woman in something about Mary now. She had kind of a, uh, a sort of like a hag or a witch look about her. Um, evil. She looks evil. Yeah. She's got an evil, they've given her an evil... There's one moment where she's... They've not given her that face. <laughs> no, 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 but they've shot her in a... You know how it works. When you shoot someone. No, they've shot, the, they've shot her in a certain way to make her appear evil, and they've also framed it and, you know, asked her to put an evil face on. <laughs> that's why she looks evil to you. Is that how actors work? Yeah. Is that, can you put an evil face on, please? <laughs> <laughs> That is basically how it works. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it? I, I've, I've not seen evidence of the contrary, so... <laughs> well, then I'm, I'm right. Yeah. Right. Just like, like 3-0 to me today. 
points of discussion. Are we going to start counting this now? Well, please tell us about. You don't need to count because I'm keeping score. That's so creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking creepy. Tell us about Bergerac, please. So the old man is fed, is served some (laughs) Fuck you. The old man is fed, is served... The old man is given a dinner of mussels by yeah. his housekeeper. She then fucks off out. He eats the mussels and then has like the most hilarious bad reaction to them where he kind of crawls his way all the way around the kitchen to the telephone. The oldest fucking telephone in the world, I might add. <laughs> like, yeah. This is like a proper kind of like Bakelite sort of like... Uh, what's it called, like ring dial fucking yeah. um, finger finger you know yeah. mounted <laughs> finger, what do they call them mounted on um, rotary dials no there was another name for those phones there was a it's a rotary That's... yeah no it is a rotary but I'm sure there was another <laughs> dial god we're so digressing this is a shit this is bad we're it's... really getting into the minutiae of, of shit I did actually make a note about the, uh, the phones in the episode I watched the other day saying the phones are enormous <laughs> that woman in that episode I watched the other day the phone looked like a fucking it's huge it was like a leg of lamb <laughs> only phone shape <laughs> so the old man collapses the food poisoning ends up in hospital yep then, to cut a long story short, which is probably a good idea yeah, yeah, at this absolutely. point, the son shows up at hospital, who is played by Hale and Pace. Hale and or Pace. No, it's the not. old man's son. It's, I'm, I'm sure it's like um, uh, Warren, whatever his name is. Warren, what's his name? Warren Prince? Mm. Warren Prince. He was in ID. He played the yeah, barman, yeah. didn't he? And I, was he the barman in ID? Yeah. He was, he was in... the the father of the girl that Sean Pertwee's like going out with. Um, and uh, D. Alan Pascoe, um, which we will get to at some point. Does Alan Pascoe? So he's hell and or pace and or does and or Pascoe? He is neither Hale or Pace. <laughs> he does look like the <laughs> no, bigger no. one from Hale and Pace. No, he looks like a cross between the two. Fucking hell. Let's go. <laughs> Sun shows up at hospital. Yeah. We, we got plenty of time, right? We fucking need it. <laughs> what, do you want to watch it again? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel I've missed some of the... You know, important bits. <laughs> um, I feel like, considering the notes I've got for the first half of this thing, I feel like I must have missed some of the important bits. Because there's nothing here. Right. Um, no, I have, no, I have got something. So the sun shows up. He doesn't like the housekeeper. At first I thought him and Bergerac were mates, because they kind of strolled out of the hospital together. And they're chatting away, but they're not friends. No, but Bergerac's pretty cool. He's an easygoing guy. Yeah. Not like fucking Barnaby. So they go... <laughs> Not like Barnaby, no. Barnaby is a knob. 
Right. So they come out of the hospital. Come out of the hospital. The hospital. The hospital. And, and they, I think they're mates, they're not mates. The son. <laughs> we don't need to know that. Just recapping where we got to. Uh, and then the son uh, tells Bergerac that he doesn't like the housekeeper. Yeah. And he uh, thinks uh, the housekeeper's uh, trying to kill his dad. Yeah, basically. And, and that's kind of where we're at. No, uh, that's not where we're at. Uh, and then the dad, the, and then there's a whole to and fro between Bergerac and the son. The son saying, she's going to try and kill my dad. Bergerac saying, well, I can't really investigate a crime until it's been committed, which is fair. Yeah, that, yeah, that is fair, but you would think that sort of like the, the, someone's concerned that someone is trying to kill someone. That's, yeah. that's a crime. That's a crime in itself. That's you do, like, if, you, if someone has taken the time to go to the police with that, that probably deserves more investigation than Bergerac yeah. gives it, which basically asks a lawyer whether the bloke's changed his will. The bloke says he can't tell him. Bergerac just takes that to mean everything's fine. Yeah, so basically, I'm guessing kind of like Bergerac's pretty lazy, like because it, <laughs> it's only a crime when it's easy to solve. Anyway, the da- Bergerac says, no, this is not happening. She seems like a nice lady, even though we get a good over-the-shoulder shot of her like looking evil in a doorway when the old man's talking to his son. And then, lo and behold... In amongst Bergerac's like setting up the CCTV at some <laughs> art exhibition, right? <laughs> well, that's what's going. That's probably going to come into play. I'm guessing so. But um, in, in this episode alone, Bergerac has uh, pretended to be a gardener and working <laughs> on a um, <laughs> working as a security um, <laughs> consultant. <laughs> so anyway, the long and the short of it is, then the old man gets murdered. Basically, the housekeeper goes for a swim, leaving the old man sleeping in a chair perilously close to a shitty old 1980s gas fire. Uh, this, this, the old man, a key point, the old man is a stingy old miser. He's got loads of money. I know this is an important fact, actually. The old man is a stingy old miser. So I'm going to finish this and then I'll go back to the important fact I remembered because it's crucial. The gas fire somehow goes out. The old man... Suffocates on carbon monoxide. He's dead. Bergerac investigate. The son is furious. I told you this would happen. I'm going to say now. John. Son did it. Okay. So we're getting on to that. But I like the fact that you've nailed your colour to the mask when I've got another suspect lined up that you haven't even considered. You haven't waited to hear the options. No. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you change your decision after I tell you this. Because yeah. I know for a fact that you're, you've not even considered this. There are three suspects. Go on There is a housekeeper who not potentially housekeeper. stands to inherit loads of money. It's not her because the last scene we watched, there's loads of evidence pointing to the fact that she has worked in other old people's homes and inherited money off like recently deceased people. But that is actually quite a common thing for people to leave money to their carer, I think. That's why I'm going to become a carer. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be really good. Mm, I think the main motivation for people who become carers <laughs> is that they care, not that they want the old people's <laughs> money. Wow. Just saying. <laughs> like there's like a there's, sure a, there's like a charitable thing. There's like a a calling to what makes to you care. Your me? calling is to have your bank balance topped up. <laughs> That's no. <laughs> 
absolutely not. <laughs> if you genuinely want to become a curver, <laughs> why buy us? <laughs> yeah, I've got. I've, I've got some practice for you right now. <laughs> got a lot of tension. Very tense. <laughs> Need that tension. Carry on with fucking Bergerac, please. <laughs> so, there's the housekeeper who's been stealing money off old people. Yeah. But that is like, that is your classic. She's guilty. That's what they want you to think halfway through the episode. She's yeah. suspect number one. The son's been banging on about it. Then you've got the son, who is definitely suspect number two, because they have been, like, slamming the fucking... The son wants... You know, the son is saying that the housekeeper's going to kill his dad. That They're setting it up. Like, he's... You're thinking he's setting it up so that she gets the blame when he kills his own father. The detective inspectors... Basically, I am gonna just go for the the obvious, not obvious one. That's that's kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> but what you've not talked about is Charlie and his Charlie Hungerford. Charlie, you mentioned Charlie it. Hungerford and his friends are looking to buy the old man's house because it's worth a load of money if they develop it into a, a big hotel. So I think the murderer is some as yet unseen. A friend of Charlie Hungerford's who's trying to get the old man off his property so that they can buy it and build a big bloody hotel and make loads of money out of tourism to the fictional island of Jersey. Come to the bloody hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, murder hotel. it's full of blood. <laughs> Everyone wants to stay in the shining hotel. <laughs> Our lifts are full of blood. <laughs> Creepy twins may vary from the creepy twins shown in the promotional literature. So there we are. I mean, there we are, really. This has been... Well, here we are. Like, it's been a struggle to get to this <laughs> Fucking point. hell, it really has. <laughs> I don't remember struggling this much. I've got a lot I want to say about Bergerac, so... When we come back after the perfectly designed for a sponsor break... We don't have a sponsor, but one day no maybe one, we will. No one, absolutely no one would give us money. Summer girl, if you're listening, we don't need money necessarily. Product. Detective inspectors. Tammy and I have just watched the second half of episode nine. Series one Bergerac, relative values. Relative values. So it started again. We'd literally just had the murder. We'd just had the revelation that the housekeeper was, uh, was had worked at a, a rest home and someone had died and she had been left some money. So the first, the sec I mean, the second half starts. I've got some notes here. I'm going to read what I'm going to do as an interesting thing because I'm... I'm making notes about the plot, you're not, but that's fine because it's my job to do. I'm not criticising, that's my job to do the plot. You know, we've got clearly delineated responsibilities. My job is to do the plot, your job is to sit there and not do the plot. 
It's fair. No, no, I've got it's I, fair I, I, that this I, is the situation. I every absolutely, week. I love this environment. I, I love this. This is. <laughs> so I'm going to read out the notes I've got exactly as they are, and um, then you're going to try and talk me through what that means plot-wise. And so I'm allowed to interrupt this time. No, I'm going to say words, <laughs> and you're <laughs> going to then take the reins. Okay. And I may interrupt. We're going to spin the whole thing on its head. Mm -mm. It's going to be nuts. Fuck me. Hold on yeah. to your headphones. Hey. <laughs> <Mate>? No. <laughs> okay, the first note I've got about part two of this is sister forward slash wife. Sister uh, wife. This is good podcasting. I know, I know. <laughs> this is me in silence thinking about what the fuck you mean. Um, she turns up. Someone turns. The, basically, the first thing that happens when we turn back on is that that the woman turns up, and I wasn't sure if it was his sister or his wife, but it's his. Right. But it's his sister. Okay. Um, so yeah, this this kind of revelation, but. Entirely unnecessary as well, like in terms of actual the, the actual story itself. Um, That's very very necessary. Do you think? Yeah, the fact that the sister turns up. That, I mean, that is a key. That's a key factor in the whole thing. So later down the line, if you catch my drift. I do because I I, I I caught it when we stopped <laughs> beforehand because. Yeah, the Bergerac is not pulling the wool over my eyes. <laughs> move, move on to your next part. Okay, I've got a written van, and then I've written the word Kent in inverted commas. Do you know what that refers to? Um, no. <laughs> There's a bit where Charlie Hungerford is talking to Jim Bergerac about how he can get his hands on the dead man's house. Yes. And then he's like, being a real... He's being a real scumbag Tory about it. And then he walks away. He walks out of the shot and behind him there's a van parked like right across the road, like at a 45 degree angle. And on the side of the van it just says Kent. <laughs> which is as close, which is K-E-N-T. And it's as close to, <laughs> it's as close to having the word cunt appear behind someone when they walk off screen as you could ever possibly get. And I think that's on purpose. There's no need for that man to be there. Well, you know, you're uh, technically in Kent now. Um, Kent, Kent was the uh, the Garden of England. Um, but so, but you know, why it's, would that? It's, it's reasonable. That but Charlie be, uh, Hungerford is a cunt. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he he's is a dodgy cunt. Uh, I reckon yeah, yeah. that is a that I reckon that is a sly. I reckon that's a nice touch by they, the production. They are not. They are not implying that. With they are not with the word Kent in the background. Are not implying that Charlie Hungerford is a cunt. That's, are you sure? That's a massive. That's such a massive leap. That was what I thought. No, I thought it meant to me. That's how I encoded the message. Decoded. Decoded. <laughs> like, my Stuart Hall mix Which is exactly, kind of exactly what every single fucking mental says when they're in fucking <laughs> custody for their own safety. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you're being very unfair. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> what more? I'm just, I'm just taking what I'm given. So the guy on screen being a right asshole, talking about money in the face of a nice old man that's died. Well, a crotchety, stingy old man. But still, an old man has died. He's being a right money grabber about it. He walks away and it just says can't. Like it's massive. <laughs> it just says can't. <laughs> But why? Because it's two letters away. <laughs> no, it's one letter away. Um, K. Yeah, e. but it's pronounced. The K in Kent is pronounced the same as the C in. <laughs> that doesn't. Make, that doesn't make it the same letter. Yeah, but. Right, no, I can't. I can't talk to you. <laughs> so... <laughs> which is a, which pretty much means it's the end of the podcast. Oh. I can't talk to you. Really? <laughs> My next note. Housekeeper, arrow, everything. What does that refer to? Uh, um, I think because she's kind of... Because she is like the other... She is the red herring. Like, she might as well have been just wearing a red herring costume. No, it's because she's going to inherit everything. He goes to see the lawyer, and the housekeeper's going to inherit everything. All the money. And the house. Key plot point. Yeah. That she's going to get everything, that's what that note means. There's a scene where Crozier, Bergerac's boss, goes a bit stereotypical detective's boss. Do you think? Like when they're outside, they're outside and he's just, Bergerac's trying to give him this other theory other than the housekeeper did it because she inherits everything so it totally, it totally points to her. And yeah. Normally it is like, I think in real crime, whoever all the evidence points to is generally like the person who did the crime but in TV stuff it has to be different because otherwise what's the fucking point? Yeah. It's like, it has to be complicated. It's, yeah, Occam's Razor. Occ- Occam's Razor always wins. That's, hmm. you know, the, uh, <laughs> the simplest answer is genuinely the answer. Like, exactly. But it can't be. But he, you know, he is pushing that and giving Bergerac a bit of a dressing down. And then, basically, the, 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 for me, the best detective in this episode is uh, Charlie Hungerford. Because he goes and sees the son and the daughter and like starts chatting to them and working out and the and they're really keen to like sell the house to Charlie Hungerford and his syndicate. And they at that point think that they're gonna inherit. At that point yeah. they think they're gonna inherit and they're well keen to sell the house to Charlie Hungerford and he comes back to Bergerac and basically gives Bergerac all the evidence he needs. He's like, Oh, I spoke to my guy in London he says that this son's got no money and he's not like the rich guy that he's making out to be. Yeah. Hungerford does all the legwork. True. But I think, you know, I, th- I think Bergerac had his, had his uh, suspicions. So, you know... He definitely didn't think the Ber- Bergerac definitely didn't think the wife, uh, the housekeeper did it. No, no, no. You're, you're right about that. Bergerac uh, thought there was another exa- another answer. Uh, so I guess this kind of like fits into uh, something of so like uh, 
um, of like the template of, of all of these programs. Um, the fact that Bergerac doesn't really have an assistant, like he doesn't have his like dog's body, he doesn't have his, um, you know, he doesn't have his Lewis, he doesn't have his fucking whoever. Charlie is is there to fulfil that kind of purpose of of the person who does all the work, makes the discoveries, and then sort of like hands it to Bergerac pieces it all together, it to, hands it to yeah. him on a plate. Yeah, he <laughs> gives him he gives him the stuff. Uh, yeah, um, he's the, he's the Hastings. Hastings from Poirot. He's the Hastings. Oh yeah, you know I mean Hastings getting it wrong is what results in Poirot getting it right. Do you know what I mean? Hastings it, comes up with something that is off the wall but it makes Poirot think of something that you know is the answer to the case like, I love you Hastings you always get the wrong end of the stick and wave it about <laughs> does you he are say, fantastic does he, does he say I love you <laughs> <laughs> he does he really I love you Hastings I want you no, to twiddle no, my moustache no. no you're going to regret this <laughs> So right, yeah. So, get so, so basically, to finish off, there is not much else. This is what I mean by Rattles Past. As soon as Hungerford finds out all this stuff, and I'm calling him Hungerford, not Charlie Hungerford, because that's how he's credited. So I don't think you're supposed to use his first name. He's like Pele, Cristiano Ronaldo. He's just no, the one name guy. He's, he's Charlie. But why is he credited as Hungerford? Um, to I don't know. Um... I've got a theory on why. Circumvent suspicion for his sort of like, um, cocaine problem. I think the name Charlie Hungerford is too wide to fit into the 4-3. <laughs> so I reckon they did the font for the titles at the end. And it says Jim Bergerac, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then they did Charlie Hungerford and it stuck out over the edge. Outside of like 4-3 title safe area. And so they had to just call him Hungerford. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> 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 I really like that. That <laughs> could be that, right? No, no, no that's, that's from a from a purely professional and technical point of view. <laughs> no, that is a reasonable way to to assess that. It's almost unbelievable with knowledge like that that we're getting made redundant. Isn't it? Right. Um, I know my title safe areas. <laughs> as do we all. On old dead format. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have job titles in safe areas. Fucking finish it. God. So, Charlie's basically worked it out. But it, then it turns out that the housekeeper, and this actually doesn't really matter in the end, but it turns out that the housekeeper is actually the old man's daughter. Like, apropos of nothing, basically, she she like owns that up to Bergerac, and she'd kept it quiet all this time. That's why she was looking after him. He was his daughter from another, his daughter from another mother. <laughs> Which I will point out is pretty much every seventh episode of uh, Midsummer's. So um, what, someone, someone else, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which Nettle should have spotted, really. I mean, maybe yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why he's so good at spotting situations like that in Midsummer. Because of this episode of Bergerac. <laughs> or every episode of Bergerac where they just basically do everything. It's all the fucking same. It is all the same. So, let me start. And then basically it turns out that the sister had not turned up on the island the day after the old man had died. 
she had been staying on the island two days before he died, so therefore, ergo, she was able to block the few flu and basically put the fire out and gas the old man. And that's it. And then you have an amazing scene. As soon as this is found out, that chase scene through the garden is... It goes on for like 10 seconds. <laughs> By the end of it, they're both caked... Bergerac and the son are both caked in sweat, <laughs> dripping off them. And then... It's, it's fucking insane. It, it's... You... No one sweats that much. Like... It's a real continuity error as well, because he... The old man... The, the son has got no... The son runs out of the room just as he is. And then it cuts and he's in the garden and he's got a fucking d- double-barreled shotgun in his hand. <laughs> yeah, but someone someone basically off camera like handed him a shotgun while he was running out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> and, like a marathon runner with a... a like a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. It's just oh, weird. I fucking love that though. Like an marathon... <laughs> We're just like, instead of the sponges, they're just like, people just handing people shotguns <laughs> so they up. can just blow themselves. What are you doing? <laughs> blow their fucking head off while they're running. You've made a big deal that you're going to run a marathon. You're obviously not going to run a marathon. <laughs> the easiest way out. It's not worth it. Like, you know, don't live with the shame. Just kill yourself. You know you're going to hurt. You're going to hurt. Have you ever run a marathon? <laughs> No. Have you? No. You ever eaten a marathon? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Haven't you? No, oh, no you're nuts. Nuts. <laughs> To all the kids out there, that's the Snickers. And also, um, <laughs> don't, eat, don't, don't, don't eat them if you're allergic to nuts. <laughs> don't send me things with nuts in. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. So they run out. They have a ridiculously short chase. They're both covered in sweat, literally dripping off them. Like, it's unbelievable. And then, basically, Bergerac tells the son that the housekeeper with his sister, uh, you know, the old man's daughter, and the guy just immediately blows his own head off. Which has got... And there's a good sound effect to that. But it's like, it is is sudden. It feels like... It felt to me like the episode was still had 10 minutes to go and then this guy's blown his head off and that's it. That's the end of it. Tabby's just had a huge mouthful of pretzel. <laughs> Sorry. So. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's a, yeah, that's a success. If, like, if you think it's got 10 minutes to go and it stops, that's, that's kind of a victory. Um, yeah, I guess. And... Um, also, I think that's a bit. Of, it's a pretty weird reaction. Like, you know, if if I was told I had a sister, um, my first reaction would not be to blow my head off with a shotgun and be like, oh. "Well, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it?" That's he, weird. <laughs> when you said that before, I thought, no. The reason he's blown his own head off with a shotgun is because he's guilty of murder, or certainly an accessory to murder. He definitely was a main part in the planning of that murder with his own dad. He's done some murder. But then why not? <laughs> do, you, do you want to say murder a few more times? Murder. It's murder. He's part of the murder. There's a murder inquiry and he's guilty of murder. He's part of the murder or planning of the murder. And he he was complicit in the murder. Yeah. Pretty, quite murder. 50-50. He's probably 50-50 on the planning. 
And then he was he had his alibi because he was actually talking to Bergerac when the murder happened. But the point is, why not kill yourself as soon as you found out you're guilty of murder? Exactly. That's what you would do <laughs> if if that's what your thing was. But what he does is he waits until he finds out he's got a sister, then he blows his head off. So it's weird. I, I, I so like... he slept with the housekeeper like ten years before. And like because he didn't realise it was his sister. And then that's why they don't get on. So when he finds out it's his sister, he's like, shit. Like a crap version of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. Although Luke and Leia, you know, it's just a kiss. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> the way away, isn't it? It's the difference between looking at a car and stealing a car. Getting off with your sister. It's not, he didn't get off with her. With a kiss on the lips. I don't think there were tongues in there. I've seen The Empire Strikes Back a lot. <laughs> I don't think there's tongues in there. Closing arguments. Right, so what are our uh, conclusions? What have we, uh, we learned from this experience? Well, number one, you were correct. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think this is a victory for me as such as just a, a sort of... Um, Victory for Law and Order. Uh, it's a bit... <laughs> We're not watching Law and Order. Uh, um, it's 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 more of a failure of of Bergerac in the fact that that was the very obvious um, uh, culprit. And uh, yeah, so I felt it was disappointing. It's disappointing, and that's why I think it, to me it felt like it ended too quickly because, like, it was so obvious that it was going to be him that had done it, because he was so busy poisoning Bergerac's mind into believing the housekeeper was planning to murder his dad. Just so busy denying the fact that he committed murder. Yeah, it was just... But in the first half, he was like, she's going to kill my dad, she's going to kill my dad. And he was like, building up such a, like, groundswell of suspicion on the housekeeper that it was obviously not her. I just, yeah. I mean, I'll be fair... Bergerac was good. I mean, Bergerac, I would say, is... I've got a few points. I've got... Like, in I, summing I, up I, a Bergerac, I've, I've got a few notes. not even looked at anything. Um, but I've got a few notes. But I would say, from a purely detective point of view, Bergerac's all right. Bergerac's okay. He's on the case. He's sober. He's committed to it. Do you know what I mean? He wants to solve it. And he is actually an active... An intelligent man doing his fucking job. Yeah, and uh, you know this. I think this goes back to my uh, John Nettles comments about uh, you know it's really nice to see him actually just not being fucking Barnaby because um, you can kind of see yeah actually he was he was pretty good. Is this a factor of like people in general where when you're young and you're keen and you're starting out in life you like make the effort you try and do the best you can. You're, you're, you're conscientious, you want to make, you know, you want to try and get up to that, like, earning level where you can s- support yourself and have nice holidays, maybe buy expensive items from the internet. And then, <laughs> and then when you get old... You, you made that sound really dirty. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I made that sound completely innocent. You have somehow 
considered it to be dirty. I don't know. Even when, I don't know when how you, when you, when you when you can buy things that you can't get in actual shops. Expensive items off the internet. Fucking shit from eBay. The more expensive items from eBay. You fucking high roller. <laughs> I'm just that you've interrupted my point. This is a good point. And when you get older, you can do all that. And so you're slacking off, you get lazy, you become smug and arrogant, your arms stop working properly, <laughs> and you become you become Inspector Barnaby. Do you know what I mean? Nettles, when he was young, was driven. He was hard. He was into it. He had an attractive French girlfriend. He was doing it. He was doing it, man, on Jersey. The crime-ridden, a fictional, the crime-ridden fictional island in Jersey. He was nailing it. And then Sorry, you still, are, you still, are you still talking about the attractive no, French girlfriend? No, I'm not. And then he, he gets to midsummer and he's old and he's eh, fuck it, he gives a shit. And he just fucking loafs around with his arms doing that funny thing, not acting very well. I think this is in this is this is why you should never get old. <laughs> That's not something you can you can't sell that. That's not but it. No, no, no. It, it, this is a cup of a king. It, 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 it is not. It's not something. <laughs> so, so kids, remember, don't get old. <laughs> like, it's a, don't grow up. It's a trap. It's my favourite birthday card. I love it. It reminds me of being young. It was one of those things I reckon where I grew up, and it was like, I'm fairly sure that all of a sudden I was old enough. To watch Bergerac. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was on. I knew it was on. And then suddenly I was allowed up till nine o'clock rather than eight o'clock. And that meant I could watch Bergerac at eight o'clock. Yeah, I think no, that's I, why I, I found I think it confusing. Because it was like the first adult programme I ever watched. I think I kind of had the same. It was it was sort of like up there with sort of like um, like Dallas and uh, Dynasty. And they were, they were kind of like, it's bedtime, but yeah, you can watch this. Dallas. Um, Dallas was great. You know, that's um, why I have a massive fetish for um, shoulder pads. Um, oh. <laughs> I really don't. They're awful. <laughs> oh, I totally believed you. Then. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Bergerac's good. You know, I think we've covered it pretty well. <laughs> I think we've. Uh, I think we covered the episode. No one will be in any doubt as to what happened there. No, no. I think we've, we've, uh, I think we've covered every every single possible sort of like, um, uh, um, plot line and uh, to uh, to minutia. The only note I've got that I haven't mentioned is ceiling fairies, which <laughs> featured in the first episode we saw. And also, I've also written down that the, the everything we're doing is a one-off drama. Right, it's everything we're going to do on this podcast which may or may not continue after this episode is a one-off drama and in this year in this era of box sets where it's all 10 episodes in like major character development it's like i watched this bergerac and the one before i thought why do we give a fuck about these people we don't but it's true isn't it it's like it's weird but and the, but you do when you're watching it and at the time but it's like it's so inconsequential it's like people you don't meet and you're never gonna never gonna find out what happens to them again but 
I think it's a format that is fatally flawed because of that. And I think when you go back to watch these things out of context, I reckon that's the problem we're going to encounter again and again. I think it is. Um, I would also like to add that... Um, um, what I wrote in my uh, Valentine's cards my uh, partner this year was uh, everything we do is a one-off drama. Love you. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> no, no, that is, that is nice. <laughs> I wish it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> that isn't what you wrote? No. Because oh. <laughs> I basically just said what you said. <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that'd be a nice message, wouldn't it? Actually, you should write that down for next year. <laughs> and anyone listening at home or in the car, then you'd write that down. That's a nice Valentine's message. Beautiful. Hashtag everything we do is a one-off drama. Hashtag bear with us. And we do it for you. Hashtag it's my pride. <laughs> Good night. Just in this way.